I imagine at one time you were this brilliant little child. As we enter into adulthood, what was brilliant in childhood can actually get in the way of you living the life you want to live. Hello friends, I'm Nancy Houston. I want to help you live a better life. all emotional creatures who sometimes think. And so it's so important that we make this journey from our heads into the depths of our hearts. Welcome to The In-Between with Nancy Houston. Hey, hello friends. I am so delighted. I have my dear, dear friend with me today. And um, we are excited to have a conversation about all the amazing things she does. So Heather and I have been friends now for, oh my gosh, how long have we been friends, girl? I always think like the pandemic is a marker for me. Yeah. And it was definitely a couple years before that. Yeah, it was, so wasn't it? at least six. Years. I know. Yeah. For six years, we've been friends. Yeah. So Heather, tell us all about you. One of the things we have in common, we both belong to the four boy club. Yeah. Yes, we do. She has four sons. I have four sons. So we have that in common. It's wild and woolly when you have four sons. Yeah. Right, girl? Yeah. yeah. And you're the mentor who goes ahead and says, that's not something to worry about. I know. Which Heather, is so helpful. Heather, it's going to be okay. It's Her sons okay. are way younger than my sons. Yeah. And so I can say, that's normal. <laughs> they do that. I promise. <laughs> and, and they're going a, to outgrow it. Here's a glimpse of the beautiful relationship you can have in that's the future. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's good. Yes. Yes. So tell us about you. Oh, okay. Um, so I also have a podcast that Nancy has been on. If you want to hear more of Nancy, uh, it's called Don't Mom Alone. That's right. And I've done that for 10 years. Oh my gosh. 10 years. I'm really thankful that podcasting was invented. Wow. Because when we were younger, you couldn't say, I want to grow up and be a podcaster. No. Who knew what that was? No. So uh, it's great to be able to do that in yeah. the margins of motherhood and yeah. still be present at carpool and, and have All a job. Things. Yeah. Yes. So that's yes. what I spend a lot of my time doing. 10 years. Mm -hmm. That is longevity. I don't know. Maybe I should have quit, but no, don't you dare. Anytime I thought about it, yeah. I'd be on my walk with my husband and yeah. I would be bemoaning be Mm -hmm. You know, just the regularness of it. Yeah. And yeah. some sweet listener would just happen to DM me or he would oh. say the right word. Anyway, it's God is good to be the faithful one when yeah. we yeah. have our moments. When we're of, wondering, what in the world yeah, am I doing? What am I doing? Uh huh. And, is and this we all right? have moments like that, right? And some spaces aren't meant to be ours forever. That's true. And that's, that's fine. That's true. Yeah. But to ask yeah. him before we decide. Someone yeah. said once, like, before you quit, maybe take a break. That's a good idea. <laughs> Hey, what made you decide to do a podcast mm -hmm. called Don't Mom Alone? What was happening in your life? Was there something that personally you're experiencing and you're like, oh my gosh, I have this need and I recognize it. And I feel alone and this is harder than I thought it was going to be or what was happening with you? So the podcast used to be called God-Centered Mom, oh. which feels heavy. Oh, yeah. 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 But the heart behind it was I'd tried child centered, I'd tried me centered in parenting, oh. 
And then I realized, oh, I need to surrender this. Like, yeah. This isn't about my kids. This isn't about me. There's yeah. a bigger story at hand. And if I center myself there, there's more peace to be found. Mm. But what happened was I was drawing people who kind of wanted me to give them a formula. Oh, for parenting. For parenting. Ooh. And I was in the midst of a newborn, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old. And the burden of being the quote unquote, I've got air quotes right here, God-centered mom. Oh, man. And all these littles. No pressure. I ended up having a panic attack. I bet. And yeah. the Bubba's drive through Oh, um, The chicken place, nothing. Like we all know with panic attacks. Yeah. It's not usually, it doesn't make sense. There's no, no. logic. Yeah. The fear is this internal, I don't know, you could tell me the mm. why. But it was, nothing was wrong in my environment right. to cause me right. to have the level of anxiety that I was having. Oh. It was internal and I recognized, oh, I know a lot of people yeah. and this might be true for whoever's listening. They yeah. are surrounded by people. Um, I had mentors. I had lots of friends who had the kids, Yeah, but I was lonely. Yeah. And yeah. I was carrying the burden of motherhood alone. Mm. And my husband was where he sometimes male careers and your careers are hitting their heightened point at the same time you have young kids. Absolutely. And so the emotional support that you're used to isn't there. Yeah. And so I was even in my marriage, not finding yeah. the support I needed and yeah. that isolation, mm -hmm. which to me is very different from you could be in community and be mm. isolated. Oh, completely. And so I ended up seeing a counselor. Oh, good we for you. ended up, going through 12 step with a, a small group. Good for you. I ended up doing some inner healing prayer. Yeah. And all of those things helped me recognize yeah. what was leading to my internal isolation. Mm. And then we had our life team, which I've joined in the last yeah. few years. Yeah. Heather and I are in a life team together. Yes. Yeah. But all of those things have yeah. been so helpful to me that I mm -hmm. thought, okay, let's shift this podcast mm -hmm. from a God-centered bomb um, right. to- right. Okay, the real felt need in my actual story too is that motherhood isn't meant to be done alone. No. And that encompasses with God. Yeah. Because the main goal is to have your kids be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So yeah. you're not momming alone. Right. They're being led yeah. by God himself. Yeah. And then others and mentors and your spouse, like how can I help all those relationships mm -hmm. to support a mom who is isolating herself. Mm. And in our culture, that's just, that's the pandemic that's happening now. Oh my God. That everyone's talking about, but the solutions feel really yeah. unattainable. Don't they though, Heather? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love your story because without the panic attack, nothing would have changed. Yeah. And I, if there's one thing I could, encourage our audience to do is allow your biggest crisis to become your greatest blessing. Mm. Like turn crisis into, oh my gosh, what is this crisis saying to me? What do I need to attune to? There is a reason. I mean, panic attacks can feel like they come out of nowhere. Actually, they don't. Your panic attack was telling you, Heather, you're attempting to do this too alone, and then you set unrealistic standards for yourself, and there's nowhere else to go but down. I mean, where do you go from being the God-centered mom? <laughs> right. I 
mean, right? Where do you go from there? Well, one of my friends would call me the mother of God. Oh, that's like, oh. that's a little bit heretical, but yeah. I oh. mean, that's the level of the, yeah. we were just coming from church when I had the panic attack. So there's an extra guilt, shame oh. combo yeah. of why am I feeling this way after leaving church, wow. which should be the place where the unloading yeah. happens, the support happens. Instead, I felt like the microscope was on me Wow! to perform and behave and my kids perform wow. and behave because that's yeah. what we're going to talk about too. Like oh. when you have four boys, yeah. you learn real quick. <laughs> you can't control people even because your anxiety increases yeah. when your environment feels out of control. It, yes. And when I you have children, yes. their behavior, yes. if you don't do some work, can become so enmeshed with your identity and worth. Absolutely. That when they get you get the call that they're about to get kicked out from preschool because of biting. Yes. One you, of mine did. Uh-huh. Mine yes. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. <laughs> it's good times. So we all you moms that. of the biters, uh-huh. you know, the uh-huh. I call it the scarlet letter of preschool and oh Mother's my Day out. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's the bad one. And huh? my son bit the preschool director. <laughs> I mean, he could have bit I a kid. Can't make this I mean, up. in all fairness, some kid bit him on the nose and then he bit the director she mm-hmm. had to go get a tetanus shot I was so embarrassed and she was my friend and I'm, I'm just like oh I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm but sorry this is real but yeah if we're gonna build as mothers if we're gonna build our identity around our children looking good behaving good being little model model citizens and being the children of the God-centered mother <laughs> right. and you're God. and they're out and about and you can't control and there's too many of them oh, like Lord. one you think I can control kind of. this one. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. The second comes along and he's playing in the toilet and you're like, oh, that's why, how that happens. Yeah. I'm distracted with the other right. and you're in the toilet. Right. It's like, and then it's just. And then the third just comes. It's coming. just a free for all. It's a free for all. I remember when I was pregnant, the second one, I'm like, okay, I have two hands. <laughs> What's going to happen when I have a third one? One is going to always be out of control. <laughs> or you know? when the, the teacher of his, in his two-year-old class, she's like, now what do you do? as a consequence for his <laughs> behavior. And I realized I totally forgot about consequences right. by the third. And it was to yell out, stop it. <laughs> I would be feeding his brother on the couch and I would just yell, stop it. Right. You're breastfeeding. And I'm like, you know, I can't, yeah. I couldn't yeah. think clearly it, no. and manage all the people. And yeah, no. all of that pressure yeah. builds. And so you're, you were saying wow. like with the panic attack, it's not, that's not the first sign. No. Yeah. Right, things are mounting, mm-hmm. and and we just don't have enough bandwidth to even pay attention. Right, and then it takes a crisis to get our attention, and so you know I just say to any of you mommies out there who are having anxiety, or any of you parents, if you're having anxiety, you know I, I'd encourage you like pause, because mm-hmm. anxiety is trying to say something to you, and and give it a voice, you know, right, and so I love that. It propelled you into, okay, this isn't representing what I want to do. Really, the cry of my heart is like, I'm sick of doing this alone. Yeah. Yeah. We're never meant to do anything alone. And I think it's doing that work and getting those messages like your behavior, I'm responsible for how you turn out. That was one of my messages, you know, like I'm fully responsible. And our society reinforces it. In yeah. your industry, particularly, oh. they get on the couch and it's like, tell me about your mother. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. right. We are 
a little bit attached to how, you know, and I'm sure a lot, you talk about the child, the adopted mm, child. It's like, there is a connection, Yeah. but am I fully responsible because there is a God. Right. And we've experienced his healing. Right. And he can heal even the worst things that were done to you, Nancy. Like That's right. He is capable of swooping in for our human failings. Totally. But we hold the full responsibility. I was reading the story about Moses's mother. Oh, yeah. And, you know, here she has had a child in the middle of a crisis. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. horrible timing to have a child and especially to have a son. And an infant side. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Babies are being killed. Babies are being murdered. Yeah. The king has sent out a decree to baby murder all the babies. Mm. What, two years old and younger? Yeah. I think it was. Horrible. Yeah. And so I I love her story because by faith she weaves a basket. And the best she can do is put this baby in a basket and send it down the river. I mean, talk about surrender. Faith, like God, only you can keep this baby alive. Yeah. And if I don't do something, this baby's going to be murdered. So she's faced with such hard, difficult situations, grievous situations. And she did the best she could. Yeah. And so, you know, I just think we need other moms around us saying, hey, you're doing the best you can. When I, with that story, always encourage moms, that story and the story of Samuel with Hannah, that for those little years that feel kind of monotonous, Mm -hmm. mundane, a waste of time, because sometimes we can swing the other way. Like we're seeing all the fabulous things people are doing online and we're home changing diapers or whatever it is. We left a career to do this full time and it can feel like a waste of our life Mm. and our prime years. Mm -hmm. And that can almost isolate us from a place of sadness and pain and even tuning into that. Like I'm feeling pain because I had a loss of a career and an identity. Yeah. But I encourage them. Moses had until he was weaned, which was probably five Mm -hmm. back then. Same with Samuel. Yeah. And both became man, men who one encountered God face to face Mm -hmm. with the fire, Mm -hmm. Yahweh Mm -hmm. and the other who heard God's voice as a child. Yeah. And they recognized that because of the time they'd spent. With, with their, their mothers who knew the one true God. That's right. That's and so right. those years aren't wasted. Never. They're the most significant years of a child's life. And I know they can be monotonous. Yeah. And I know you may need to pause, Mama, and grieve your losses. Like your loss of a career, the loss of, you know, like dressing up, going to an office, feeling pretty. You know, now you're breastfeeding and you're happy if you can get a shower everywhere you know and you're changing poopy diapers and wiping noses and bottoms and it just seems so unglamorous and and I know you hear this and maybe this is sound maybe this even sounds unfair like and it is very significant work that you're doing even though it doesn't feel that way yeah it's the hidden work it's the Our society is built on it and we don't recognize it. Yeah, that's true, Heather. And my hope is that by doing the work like that you're encouraging women Mm -hmm. to do to deal with our past traumas, which I don't know if this is true. Well, you can tell me. Does it resurface at 35? Someone told me there's some part of your brain that kind of thins out and brings trauma to the surface that has been 
as a survival method kind yeah. of held apart from your consciousness. I So you're 35 and you have young kids in your home and you're dealing with all this and you're yeah. feeling your yeah. past trauma at the same time. Mine emerged at 32. Okay. I don't know if it's a little ahead of the curve <laughs> or just, was, you know, yeah. it just emerged. But I would say, yes, oftentimes your 30s yeah. are where trauma will emerge and you're like, this is super inconvenient. But here's the beauty of allowing it to emerge is they say that the best mothers are those who have pieced together their story and can tell it in a relatively congruent way. Mm. And see, if we haven't worked through our trauma, then we have trauma brain, which is very fragmented. And so what that really means is that the person has taken the time to grieve the traumas, to do the work they need to do to recover, and then they're able to put their story together. And those are the best mamas. Because so you're not passing on your trauma then. Mm -hmm. And you're able to tell your story. And you recognize what happened to you. And so you can bring this more holistic human to all of your relationships, including your parenting. And, you know, I love that. Like just the other day, I, I called one of my sons and I said, hey, I want to apologize. And he said, what for? And I said, well, the other day we were on the phone and I, I felt like I started to triangulate you into one of, uh, into a relationship with one of your brothers and I, I do not want to be that kind of mother because, like, my mom would talk behind my back to my sister. And then she'd talk behind my sister's back to me. And so it set my sister up and I up to have this really awkward, odd relationship and kind of like, why don't we like each other? I think a lot of it was because mom was talking bad about my sister to me and about me to my sister. And that's triangulation. It's a triangular relationship where you have the victim, the bully, and the rescuer. The drama triangle. Is right. that what you taught me? Yeah. Yeah. That, say it again because I think that's so yeah, I, helpful. I like to call it the drama trauma triangle. <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. when you're in families that love drama and they've had trauma, then they formulate all these triangles where there's a victim, there's a bully, and a rescuer. And so I'd, I'd sense that I'd started, I caught myself, but nonetheless, I still wanted to call my son and say, hey, I want to apologize. That is, and we're in business together. I'm like, this is not the kind of mother I want to be. It's not the kind of human I want to be. And so I am, I apologize to you. And I think it's because I've worked through my story and I can recognize that drama triangle really quickly and like, oh. I started to go there yeah, and I want to own that and I want to correct that. Well, and I encourage moms to be non-judgmental observers. Yes. Because the there's so much judgment and mom guilt, but I think mom shame. Oh. Everyone talks about mom guilt, but I think mom shame is oh. the real, the one that really isolates. Right. Because I didn't just do something wrong right. according to that TikTok or Instagram that says I should have let you yeah. cry it out or this one says I shouldn't have let you cry it out and I did it wrong. It's I am wrong. Yeah, that isolates. But I think being a non-judgmental observer of yourself, yeah, like oh, it's so liberating. 
Why, oh, why am I doing that? Oh, I did that. Oh, I know what that is. Oh, I want to fix that. Oh, okay. I'll pick up the phone, call my son. Yes. And but then no. you're open to conf- confession, which before yeah. shame would be like, no, I'm wrong. And I can't yeah. admit I'm wrong. I'm a horrible parent. I'm a, I'm horrible, a horrible parent. Human. And this confirms it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're right. Cause I used to live with a lot of guiltification. Mm, tell me about that. You know, and shame. What's guiltification? That guiltification is this. Well, I think, I think it can easily happen once something's come out of your womb. Okay. <laughs> like an ownership? Well, it's just like, oh, I should have fed the baby more often. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done this. That's all that false guiltification. Like some expectation that no one else has given you, you've put on yourself. And, and or that, maybe they have given you. And it can come with motherhood. Okay. You know, because we get all these messages. And so we're, and, and we can do it to ourselves. Like we can develop our own ideal woman who lives inside of our brain. Totally. And then we're measuring ourselves all day long against this ideal woman. And she's awful. She's a conglomeration of the highlight reel of every woman we see. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we've built her and she lives inside of us. And she's like this running commentary. Well, Heather, you should have done this. Nancy, you shouldn't have said that. Well, if you would have done that, this kid wouldn't be doing that. And if you, and on and on, this ideal woman can go. And she's just mean. She's mean. She's horrible. Have you named yours? She, well, I have. Okay. <laughs> What's her name? Well, you know, <laughs> perhaps language Karen? I shouldn't okay. use right now. Oh, Okay, right. she's got a yeah, like like a cuss name. Yeah, like a B I T C H. Oh, name. okay. Yeah, right. Okay, and so because that's what she is. She's just mean. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, and she doesn't let well, up. Well, I think that's helpful too to call her mean and call her a bad name because yeah. I think yeah. she gets power in her head because she's more like a Cinderella, perfect. Right, you're lovely and perfect, and lovely you know and everybody all the loves her. Yes, Play if like I did that, God they would love me. Yes, yeah. if only I could live up mm. to her expectations, then I would be ideal and I'd raise these ideal children. And it's just such a lie and it puts so much pressure on ourselves. Mm. So I think sometimes we have to stop and go, oh my gosh, is all this pressure coming from outside or is it this woman I've built within my own head? And I'm allowing her to critique me 24-7. Yeah, that's that's real. Because there's already enough mental load. Everyone's talking about the mom mental load. Oh yeah. But that Ooh. feels like a whole mental argument or oh, like is. a whole critique that's yeah. happening. Like you've been called into the office. Yes. All, getting, constantly. Constantly called what into the I office. What I do wrong now. So then how can you handle the what's for dinner when you're dealing with if you've yeah. only done this? Oh, I love that mom mental load. That's a big hot topic right now. Ooh, well, and men are talking about, which is helpful. Oh, that's good. That and I tried to explain it to one of my boys when he said, what's for dinner? And he didn't like my response. Yeah. And I tried to explain all the thinking that went into yeah. this decision for that evening. Oh, yeah. And just to, like to share the load. That's good. <laughs> to share the load. Of, That's good. This this isn't just a whim. No, to bring the male mind into the uh-huh. female mind. Huh? Oh, it's, it's far more complex. Or we were on vacation and Bruce's family's parents so graciously rented this place and it came with people who would cook breakfast, lunch, oh, and dinner. Lord. Talk about freedom for all of the women. Oh, yeah. But my boys, it was like another day. Yeah. 
And so they, you know, might start complaining. Oh, we already had that for breakfast or lunch. And I'm thinking, I'm thrilled. I didn't have to think about what was, or cook it or clean it up. That's right. Anyway. It's huge. huge. Yeah. They have no idea how much, um, what an actual burden a family vacation can be (laughs) if you're in charge of all the meals. Yeah. Last summer, we had our best family vacation because before we went, I fired myself. Genius. I totally fired myself. I decided, you know, more than half the people going, or at least half the people going, are all adults. Yeah. And actually, even most of the kids now are kind of at the age and point where they know how to feed themselves. And so I'm going to make a meal if I really am happy and want to. Otherwise, I'm in charge of feeding no one. And it was amazing. That's great. My grandkids were making pancakes, which usually I'd make all the pan. I make dinosaur pancakes and and you know um, unicorn pancakes. And I didn't do that. And they were making. And them. what was your voice, the gal? Yeah, the bee. So because word. I'd fired what was she my, saying? Because I'd fired her. She, you fired her. She, I fired her. Okay. So she wasn't saying anything because she was fired. Like the ideal woman, I'm like, you're staying home. You're not invited. You're not invited on this on vacation. This trip. You're fired. Yeah. And man, I just, and I think actually everybody had probably a better time because I'm super relaxed. And I'm like, so what? They're sand on the floor. That's not my problem. They're, if I vacuum that up, which I would in the past, it's like, it's going to be back in five minutes. I think I'll just leave it. And if it bugs anybody else enough, I guess they'll grab the vacuum. And that goes to my favorite topic to talk to you about, which yeah. maybe we don't have time for. I don't know where we are. Yeah, we do. Time, We're good. <laughs> is the self-differentiation. Yes. The you enjoying your vacation, even if other people yes. are having a hard time. Yes. Oh, you and I love the topic. Of I love it. I'm waiting for the book. Y'all, uh, I'm trying to put the thumb on Nancy to write a book. Uh, Just it, it's, it's coming. Come, it's, it's, okay, good. It's someday it's going to come. Okay. I do love this topic. Okay. T- you might want to define yes. it, I guess. Self-differentiation changed my life because I was raised in a family where you don't have a self and where you always give in to the whims of the most powerful person in the room. So when I was in grad school, I learned the theory of self-differentiation from Dr. Murray Bowen. What's the name? Dr. Murray Bowen. Bowen. Bowen, B-O-W-E-N. And we call him the father or grandfather of family therapy. Okay. And he explained that actually as a human, you have a right to have a self. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Earth shattering. It was. Especially if you grew up in the church. Heather. The self is... The flesh is bad and the self is bad. Self Selfishness is bad. Yes, and especially if you're female. And, oh, yeah. Females are taught to comply and please. True. Otherwise, you are what my ideal woman is. Right. <laughs> right? That word, yes. Right? And none of us want to be called. Well, a few women take pride. They're fine with it, yeah. But most of us don't want to be known by that name. Well, and I think there's more acceptance now if yes. you were 20. Than there was when I was growing, 100%. when I was a young woman, mm-hmm. right? So it's all about being pleasing, complying, right? Making others happy. And it's excruciating and it's defeating. And you wake up one day and go, I have no self. I have no idea who I am. Where did I go? 
And what would be the biblical support for what Bowen taught? Right. I think there's lots. Yeah, tell me. Like, for example, um, I think, is it Leviticus? I'm not, I, I can't remember, but it says, I, I thought this was earth shattering when I read, the father is not responsible for the son's sin. And the son is not responsible for the father's sin. Like in the laws, because of yeah. the, it was filled with this consequence for this sin, yeah. this, this um, sacrifice for this yeah. sin. Yeah. And but that goes against, like people would say, the sin to the third generation. Right. That so, you have to pay for the sin. Yeah. To, that's something people throw out right. all the time. And I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is a passage of self-differentiation. You do not own your father's sin. You don't have to spend your life trying to make up for yeah. your father's mistakes or following in his footsteps or your mother's mistakes. You have the right to have a self. Yeah. Right? It's like when when David departed from Saul because Saul is always trying to kill him. <laughs> now, he did it in a respectful way, but nonetheless, he departed because he had a right to have a self and not keep putting himself in dangerous situations with a mentally ill father-in-law, mm-hmm. with a tyrant, right? Because his father was a tyrant, and he wanted David to be a slave to him, to his whims. And David's like, no, I'm my own adult man, and I have a right to my life and my well-being, so I will not keep coming into a room where you're going to throw spears at me. Right. I mean, I think there's beautiful evidence there. Yeah. Right? Beautiful evidence. I mean, even when you look at what Esther had the courage to do, it wasn't protocol for her to go before the king. She had to be summoned by the king, who happened to be her husband. But nonetheless, he's first of all a king, and he either summons you or you don't. But there were lives at stake. So she had the courage to go, whether I live or die, I am going to present my I. Here I am. You know, and that was a defining moment for her. And Separate it took, from her role as wife. Exactly. Yeah. Wife and queen. Right. She's like, I am a human and this is what I must do. And she did it. And so it's that ability to hold on to yourself. Do you feel like even Jesus, when the crowds were pressing in and he, so many times, and Jesus went away. Yes. And Jesus went away. Yes. Jesus went away. It's like holding on to self, even for Jesus. Even Jesus. And, you know, I'm sure a lot would be like, really? You had three years, Jesus. I mean, come on. You really need to go rest? You really need to go to the mountain by yourself or to the lake or take a nap in the boat? And he's like, yes, I do. I am human. I have limits. Yeah, I have limits. Even though he is a limitless God, he is still in a human body. When he was in his human body, he's like, I have limits. Mm -hmm. And he had enough self-differentiation to hold on to himself and say, time to leave the crowds. I've got to go somewhere by myself and collect myself. And, you know, man, when we mothers don't give ourselves permission to do that, we find ourselves exhausted, resentful, and bitter. All the things. The oh. trifecta. <laughs> Which doesn't no, so create true. the best cocktail for mothering. No. Or for being friends with people. Or wifing or any of the things. Although it does feel good to be friends with someone who isn't self-differentiated because they'll do anything for you. I was thinking <laughs> about that on the drive over. I'm like, it kind of works in your favor sometimes. 
it's when someone yeah. doesn't recognize their limits and they just keep giving to you. Oh, it's kind of great. Well, and I had, he, and yet yeah, not healthy. I had friends who said to me, I liked you better before. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, you did. I'd do anything and everything for you and keep your kids and make you dinner. And, you know, you could always drop your kids off with me. I'll take all the kids. Why not? Right. Or in a marriage, it's yeah. going to be, a, you set up, it's a bloodbath. Oh. When couples start self-differentiating. Oh, yeah. And that enmeshment. Yeah. Gets ripped. I mean. Yeah. I remember new when rules, I was, new messaging. Yeah, that was part of my therapy. I'm like, yeah. hey, I kind of sometimes like feel like giving a mother to my husband. And my therapist said, well, stop it. And with a straight face. Stop it. Stop it. And I'm like, I can? And he goes, yeah. Because I was raised in a world where wives wait on their husbands. You're the soother. Oh, the soother, smoother, server. and the server, and the servant. And so you wait. If you're a good wife, you wait on your man. If you're a good mother, you wait on your children. And I'm like, actually, I think this is creating a lot of entitlement. And do I really want to live in a house with five entitled males? Yeah, that's a lot. And our, how are we helping the world if we send those men and, out into it? Well, right. And what kind of husbands am I going to be creating? Right. So that message, that ideal woman, the B word, who's saying, no, 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 good moms, they serve their kids. Oh, yeah. And you're like, be quiet. Uh-huh. Good moms raise kids who- I want to raise good husbands. Who are self-differentiated from their moms. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm imagining that makes for a mother-in-law who's more appealing to be around. But I, you're a more appealing mother-in-law if you're not enmeshed with your son. Oh, Totally. If you don't idolize your sons, which mothers can do that, totally. you know, and I'm like, no, he's not perfect, sweet girl. <laughs> and I love that. Um, like I, you know, some of my sons are better than others, but they all will help their wives. You yeah. know, like one will just vacuum. He just, he'll just vacuum. I'm like, God bless you. That is, I mean, you know, that's a real gift mm-hmm. <laughs> when there's Cheerios all over the floor and you'll grab the vacuum. Well, and you know, this other thing that's popular right now is the notice and do instead of chores. Oh, I like that. Notice right? and do. And my, oh. my husband is. The, oh, who came up with that? Right? My husband is the best notice and doer. Oh, he is? Oh, the best. Oh. To the point that hardly any of us do anything because oh. he notices the dishes and does the dishes. Oh, he, he does. notices the trash, takes out the trash. He notices, wow. the, he does the laundry. Does, you know, he is a notice and doer. And I'm hoping Ooh. it oozes. Yeah that the boys notice yeah. and do. It's well, not happening right now, but maybe. I remember sitting down with our son and said, listen, guys, I work, I'm working on a master's degree, and and you guys go to school and you do all yeah. these activities, yeah. and we're a family, and everybody needs to participate in the running of this home. So how are you going to participate in the running of this home? What are you going to notice and do? And so, you know, if I need to assign you chores for now until you learn how to notice and do, I love that statement. I wish I would have had that. Because I feel like if you grew up in a home of chores, you wait until someone assigns you the thing. And then once you've done it to what you think is a satisfactory level, then you're done. Right. But to teach them like, okay, we're going to spend 15 minutes. We're going to walk around the house. Yes. We're going to notice and do. That's so good. Right? Well, I These used to. These people with the Instagram, they're maybe, like in a whole education that we didn't have. Maybe I kind of did this because I'd say, 
I just say, I'm going to set the alarm. Let's play yeah, 10 minute pickup. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, everybody gets ice cream. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. There's like a, a pairing. Yes. A pairing. Of, yes. Yeah. We're going to have fun. We're going to work for five minutes and make this a fun competition. And then we're going to have, then we'll go swimming or do something. So then they are noticing doing because they did. It wasn't like each yeah. person got assigned. Yeah. Yeah. Just go do whatever you see needs doing and do it. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. But self-differentiation is really like holding on to yourself and assessing, okay, I can either be resentful and bitter or I can start having some boundaries. And where am I exhausting myself? And where do I need to say, hey, kids, mommy needs a 20-minute timeout, right? And so I'm going to go in my room and I'm going to lay on my bed and just stare at the ceiling for a moment. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or I'm going to go walk around the mall and, you know, just... And I'm thinking it goes along with the notice and do. Yeah, it does. That you, I am encouraging moms constantly. Are yeah. you noticing? Yeah. What's going on with you? The feeling, like a feeling. Yeah. Like even if your body, like is your neck tight? Are you feeling a lot of shame? Mm-hmm. Are you feeling energy all over? And the anger, like the anger yeah. issue, because I struggle with anger too, mm-hmm. I think was rooted in I was not, I was missing all the cues prior, yeah. like you were talking about with yeah. panic. Yeah. We're so attuned to our kids, yeah. especially out of a place of I'm going to be a good mom and be super attuned before yeah. you even whimper. I'm going to mm. know what you need. I'll have the juice box ready. I'll have mm. it already straw in mm. and yet not attuned to our own. That's so good. Needs. Yeah, it's it, it really is true. Like if we'll pause and attune, I'm feeling angry and being curious about that. Oh, I wonder what I'm angry about. I haven't had any time yeah. alone. Yeah. I haven't seen a friend yeah. in three weeks. Or this child truly is acting inappropriate. Yeah, that too. And I've just been ignoring it instead of pausing and saying, hey, kiddo, this behavior is not okay. So now you're in timeout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this behavior, I, I want to raise the kind of kids that um, other people want to be around. And so this chi- if this child's bugging me that bad, yeah. This child's probably bugging everybody else. Like an awareness of your yes. impact on others is an yeah. okay thing to train. Right. Not from a people pleasing, like I want you to be a likable person so that I feel good about myself. Yeah. But, but there's something about raising humans that have the ability to be in society. This. Th- there is truth to that mm-hmm. as well. I have right. a question for you with self-differentiation and empathy. This came yeah. up in a conversation the other day with a friend. Yeah. She was feeling like, as believers mm-hmm. and as self-differentiated humans, mm-hmm. that empathy is not good. Mm. That compassion Ouch. is a better word. Mm. That mm. if I am actually feeling the pain you feel, mm-hmm. I haven't been anointed, of granted or assigned the grace to walk through what you're... So it would be better to have compassion and walk with mm-hmm. than empathy where I'm actually enmeshing and feeling. Mm. So, but is empathy... Maybe define empathy, because how do we hold yeah. on to self and empathize? Yeah, well, I think there's a difference between pity. Okay. You know, and empathy. So what would you, how do you hold on to self and show empathy? Yes, that's a really good question. And I think that's a skill to be learned if you are naturally super empathic. Because we can think that empathy heals everything. And that isn't true. Or if I empathize with you, then I'll get you to a place where I feel okay. Right. 
And so, you know, I think what happens where we misuse empathy is when somebody's gone low, they do need empathy. They do need a hand up. But people do one of two things. Oftentimes they go high and sometimes they go low. High is like, you know, like there's two kinds of people. Well, the high is a person who like somebody just gave him a cigar and it's his favorite cigar and he can't wait to smoke it. So he gets in an elevator and he lights up. He doesn't care that everybody else is turning green and wants to throw up. He doesn't care. He's holding on to self, but to the point of not acknowledging others. That's right. Okay. And, and so and even in parenting, I think we have to recognize this because all of us as children, especially as teens, are incredibly narcissistic. I don't mean in a bad way. We just are. We're just focused on our wiring. Yeah. own little selves. What do I need? How can I get it? Am I happy? Am I watching the show I want? You know, do I have the toys I want? Right? Am I eating my favorite cookies? And that's in a healthy environment where they're not having right. trauma, where it's, they're having to sue the parent. That's like, just normal. That's a normal development. That's a normal little human that we have given birth to. And so when we Christianize right? them and say you're right. being selfish, no. it's kind of like. Right. No, they're being human. They're being human, yeah. Right? But sometimes our children need a hand down, and sometimes they need a hand up. You know, when they come home from school and go, oh, everybody's a jerk. I, everybody's a jerk. I'm just so much better than those kids. That child needs a hand down. When your kid comes home from school and says, man, everybody just hates me. I just, I just feel like I'm failing. You know, nothing, I'm not, I can't do anything right. That kid needs a hand up. And that's true for all of us through all of life. So the hand up, hand down is empathizing? Well, I I think it is just absolutely great parenting and having self-awareness as if my child's gone high and is super annoying, he needs a hand down. You know, he's gone too high and that's not good for him. And so, yes, it ends up being an empathic move. Okay. Because, darling, nobody's going to like you if you stay in this position of, I'm the best, I'm the hottest, I'm the greatest. And uh, believe me, I remember sometimes driving like eight boys in the minivan, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think they're so hot. (laughs) And I sometimes would pause and say, hey, guys, could I give you a little bit of reality? Yeah. Please? Because they needed a hand down. Right? And then other times they just are feeling like the scum of the earth and filled with shame. And and it's like, oh, honey, I don't see you that way at all. I see you as being very kind and thoughtful. And I see you talking to this kid and caring about these people. And I'm not sure your perspective is really clear about yourself right now. And it sounds like you're holding on to self and that you're not going to I'm amazing or I'm the worst. No. With them. No. You're holding on to self, but you're acknowledging yes. the feelings either way. Yes. You know, the, the thing children need the most, and especially teenagers, because they are doing this like crazy. Yeah. And they're hormonally. <laughs> I know. They're on a roller coaster. Three of them. A right big now. roller mm-hmm. Oh, oh, big hit of testosterone. And they're testy and they're cranky. <laughs> Whew. And what they need is for you to be steady. You cannot get on your child's roller coaster with them. And that's where healthy self-differentiation comes in, where you're like, oh, you're on a roller coaster, and I'm not going to join you, darling. Mommy's going to hold on to mommy, and you're going to be the teenager 
or two-year-old that needs containment right now, and I'm going to provide a steady hand. And I think that a lot of moms would consider, in order to truly empathize with my child, I need to get on the roller coaster. Oh, please don't do that. That's what empathy in their mind is. Oh, that's overextended. That's overextending. Because I think that's a good thing to learn about, That's too. overextended. You, you know, empathy might sound like, hey, honey, I get that you're really moody right now. I do. And it's not okay to talk to your brother like that. Or it's not okay to talk to me that way. Yeah. Right? So we, we as parents, we stay steady, and that's the greatest gift we can give our teenagers. Like yesterday, I had a mom who said to me, a friend, say, oh, my gosh, okay, Nancy, I feel like I've gotten really good about being empathic towards my daughter. But it's almost like now she's extending it where instead of me sitting in the well with her, like for 15 minutes, now she wants me to stay in the well for two hours. And Nancy, I'm going crazy. I'm like, oh, well, now she needs containment around that. Because you don't want to raise a daughter who thinks someday she's got a husband and he's going to sit and listen to her, you know, go on and on and on for two hours at a time. The poor man will die. He'll run away from home. (laughs) Right? And so now it's time you've learned how to be empathic because before she'd just be kind of like, get over it. You know, right? Oh, instead of even, like empathy would be acknowledging the current state. Yes, Yes. Even if you aren't feeling the current state with them. Because it feels like empathy is, I have to feel it with you. No. No. No, it's entering into their shoes for a moment. Oh, honey, that feels bad. That sounds hard. Oh, I'm sorry that your boyfriend just dumped you. That's painful. Oh, honey, I'm sorry. And he's not all good. And that's not pity? No. What would pity sound like? No. It's like... Where you are feeling so devastated for her, you just don't think your daughter's going to be able to make it or recover. Like this is the worst thing ever to oh, you. Oh, it's the most horrible thing that's ever happened to you and you're not going to recover. It's like, no, you communicate like, oh, honey, I'm sorry that happened. And he's not all good or all bad. And I know you're going to recover from this because I know that you're strong and resilient. And right now it feels really bad. And that's that healthy combination of empathy and resilience building and reassurance. It's, okay. It can't just be one thing. It's right? helpful. Yeah, because I think these words get thrown out, but we in our mind decide what they are. Uh, yeah. And so to hear it modeled. Yeah. I know as a mom, it's always well, helpful for me to hear you say it. And we make anything, anything like, like this is my tool, and so we turn it into a hammer. Mm. So let's say empathy's become the hammer that I'm going to parent with. And so then we start pounding every nail, (laughs) everything with our hammer. And it's like, oh, screwdriver probably would have been more appropriate there. (laughs) You know, so have lots of tools available. Lots of tools, right? Empathy is one of them. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, to start with empathy is great, but then to kind of sort through, hey, what's this human needing right now? You know? And it, and all of those tools, would re- you could do self-differentiation with all of the tools. Even with yourself. Oh, like, what am I that. needing right now? Which of these tools am I needing? Oh, man, right now I could use a little empathy myself. Like, that was hard. Raising this kid right now is extra, extra. 
This is a lot. I haven't had a proper night's sleep for weeks. I need a nap, you know, yeah. right? Tuning into you, Let, you know. And, and we can say right now we give permission to all the moms. Yeah, we do, moms, right? Yes, moms, we, we give you permission. <laughs> like the job you're doing is absolutely incredible. And you're not going to see the rewards of that for a long time. There's nothing instantaneous about parenting. You have signed up for the long haul. And it is a long haul. So Heather, I just love what you do. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for just even just saying, hey, moms, don't mom alone. Yeah. It's too hard to do it alone. And don't make that even another <clears throat> mental load checklist. That's my hope. Is that oh. th because that can feel like such a burden. Oh, it does I need to be a part of community. I need oh, yeah. to be connected. I, yeah. I, you know, then it's like you get... <laughs> They're isolated because something's wrong with you that you don't have friends that you can call. And so if you're in that place, tuning into yeah. your emotional state is step one. There you go. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for simplifying that. <laughs> Just step one. Step number one. There's an app that can ask you, how are you feeling? And it it alerts me multiple times a day. And you really? pick and it'll tell you a summary over the week like, on, oh. In mornings, you usually feel this. and evenings, you usually feel this. Oh, my gosh. What's the name of this app? I'll, I'll need to find I'll show okay. for the, okay. for the we'll, show notes. We'll yeah. try to get our show notes. Yeah, I Thank think you. Terry told us about it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I love it's it. It's kind of annoying. Sometimes you're like in a yeah. <laughs> kind Ooh. of an angsty place and this pops up. How are you feeling? You're, you're like, like shut up. <laughs> Leave <laughs> me alone. <laughs> well, here's the thing that's beautiful about that. Yeah. Because we have to name to tame. Exactly. And so if we can name what we're feeling, then we can, we've instantly helped our brain tame our emotions. So what a great idea. It's a starting place. I love it. Yeah. I love you. Love you so much. Love what you do. Hey, friends, if you haven't connected with my friend Heather and her podcast, Don't Mom Alone, please do. She's got a lot of amazing content on there for you. And um, yeah, she's for you. And so am I. So please know that you're not alone in this life that you're trying, attempting to live. We're all just trying to do the best we can. And you know what? A lot of days, that is good enough. Thanks for joining us today.